time throw our arms up like hello i'm a very animated recorder i notice i do this a lot it's like raise the roof hey raise the roof where the ghosts at where the ghosts at are you here (laughs) hey where the ghosts at (laughs) we're here to party bring your boo thing bring your boo thing i don't know this is two girls one ghost two girls one ghost and we are your ghostesses that's corinne hello and i'm sabrina and the days are getting longer because we are recording and there's still sunlight outside, which for me is not a normal occurrence. I know for you, you, you it's... No, it's the same. No, because we normally, we record at night and I'm three hours closer into the darkness than you usually. Right, but usually we start at darkness and then I merge into darkness. But today we're on the same coast, so we are going to merge into darkness together. Together. I feel like the year 2020 has been going on forever. (laughs) It's only three weeks in and I feel like I have been sucked into a time loop and I've been here forever. It's because you're in New York and you're on set all day and your brain is being fried. And I stood out in the cold for six hours. I'm shocked you're not sick. I feel like you're going to get sick from that. Well, I patted myself up with hot hands. And I told you this Good. already. I slept with them in bed. It was great. Can I just give like a TSA about the flu as well for people? Yeah, please. Just based on how much everyone's been getting the flu, and I had the flu last year and it was horrible. As soon as you feel the flu coming on, just call your doctor or go to urgent care and get that medicine. And if you can't keep liquids down for more than two days, you better go to the freaking hospital, okay? Where is this coming from? It was coming from a lot of things. Is it from Every- our thing? Yeah. 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 It it doesn't hurt to get help. Be careful. Wash your hands and spend the time that maybe you are away from work if you do have the flu creating TikTok videos. I'm finally trying to get with the kids these days. I feel like such an okay boomer because I don't understand TikTok at all. Uh Oh, me neither. And the only reason, like, I've had coworkers explain TikTok, like, people that are older than me explain TikTok. And I only just now downloaded TikTok yesterday because my dad sent me a TikTok. Your dad so gets like, it? Okay. I need to, I need to understand TikTok. There's so much lingo that I just don't understand. My coworker and I were on set trying to figure out some of these things, like, that's on period which is basically like end of sentence or something and there's another one wait that's on period i like the i like what um in the mandalorian what is that what does that guy say i have spoken when he's done talking i much prefer that but see that makes sense that that (laughs) that logically makes sense in my mind but there are some things that i just don't understand heard the one um fucking mint and they do this thing their hands mint fucking mint does that mean like that's on fleek um no i watched 20 (laughs) minutes of videos of people doing fucking mint you just say it either ironically or in a celebratory way so it's like like you say a sentence and then you say fucking mint so i'd say like um sabrina got a job as a writer fucking mint like that's cool but then i could also be like (laughs) 
brought my car into the shop and they stole my brakes. Fucking mint. I I don't get it. I might not be doing it. Get it. I feel so old. You're making me feel even more old. Okay, I just looked up a guide to TikTok for anyone who isn't a teen. Okay, we gotta learn. See, this is what hurts. We're not far away from being teens. I feel like, I feel like we could catch up, right? I don't know if I want to. And now I understand where my parents were coming from all those years when I was saying things. They're like, "What?" Or like when phones right? came out and became a thing, and our parents were like, "How do you text?" I get we it. We are finally there. I get it now. This app has brought us to our breaking point. <laughs> don't understand. Also, don't really care to understand, which I think is the, the crossover. We crossed over the bridge. We have. It's one thing to be like, oh, I really like I'll learn it and I'll work on it. But there's another part that's like, nah, if you just give up immediately, <laughs> then it, you know, don't let it burden you. I will don't. say getting older has its pros and cons pro which i just figured out because i went to my very first facial ever yesterday how was it it was amazing and i feel like my skin is radiant today it looks radiant you, you look like you're glowing um i will say though there was parts of it where i felt like i was being abducted by aliens because she was like extracting me and i was like i hate extraction it hurt but then it was like this like bright light over my face and i was like is this what it's like to be probed by aliens probably so then I kind of realized maybe I don't want to be probed by aliens. So maybe my dream of being abducted is no longer a dream. Unless the aliens take out all of your blackheads and then... But they're all gone. I already got my facial. That's amazing. Okay, so what's a con of being an adult? TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Also, I feel like this is personal information on me, but I feel like I should tell people about my wheat allergy. Tell. I feel like it's not public knowledge and it took me eight years to figure it out and i think other people would benefit from hearing oh please tell us since i was in college i had some weird ass issue happening with my digestive system and i would randomly vomit after eating god knows what and i kept getting bloated and i kept gaining weight and i gained like let me do the quick math 45 pounds in like six years which was a lot for me having been working out all the time and trying to eat really healthy yeah and then i got psoriasis two years ago which was awful and the videos are gross and i love showing people the video (laughs) because it's so it was so bad oh my gosh (laughs) and then i've been experimenting with different foods and i cut out wheat for my diet not gluten not gluten wheat and everything is gone the wheat is coming off my psoriasis is gone i feel better wow i'm not vomiting after i eat anymore that's amazing and i feel like no one talks about freaking wheat allergies i never knew it was a thing everyone talks about celiac mm-hmm. and i just want you to know people if you have psoriasis maybe just try to cut out wheat see what see what happens yeah i'm very very happy that you found resolve to this issue me too that it, it's like a total game changer life changer when you find out what's been affecting you it really is I think the one huge con, though, is that now I can't have macaroni and cheese. So I think that means that I have to finally give up my macro- my secret macaroni and cheese Instagram handle to then allow someone who would utilize it better to take control. Well, you can also have... There are, like, substitutes for wheat pastas. Like, yeah, but they're not as good. 
I also, here's the thing. I say they're not as good, but it's because I don't have the patience to cook like a chickpea pasta to its full cooking time so then it's like really al dente and then i end up not liking it right you just have to give it time they say don't watch a book a watch pot never boils yes i support you and i'm glad that you're finding you found a solution one of my neighbors just grunted so very loudly and there was like a big bang afterwards and i'm concerned i don't want to think about what that is well what if he dropped something on him and now he's dying (gasps) He's turning, he's transitioning into a ghost. Maybe. And then there's just going to be a man who walks through my wall and I'm like, oh, hi. Do you want to be on the podcast? You should put your ear against the wall and see if you, if he's okay. I've been watching, I've actually been watching Six Feet Under, which is very pertinent to this episode because we decided to do haunted mortuaries. But Six Feet Under, if you're not familiar, is the show with Michael C. Hall that was on HBO in 2001. And it went on for is like many seasons. Is there a movie seasons. called Six Feet Under? I don't know. Maybe. There's something like that. And I watched the movie version. Oh. Well, it's a TV show. And I'm I'm amazed because the show still, like, it's, it travels through time perfectly. Like, I feel like I still relate to it very perfectly. Like, yeah, the tech is a little bit different. But that's 19 years ago. I have to watch it. And it's all about a family who owns a mortuary. And then every episode starts with a person and a way the way that they die. And then that whole episode <gasps> is about them being. Oh, where did I see this? HBO. I okay. I totally added it to my watch list. Oh. Because I was like, this looks so good. It's really good. It's Michael C. Hall and he's so great. He is great. It's pre-Dexter, too. I know. Oh, you know who was watching? Mm, my roommate was watching it. And then I was like, is that Dexter? And she was like, yes, isn't it so funny? It's it's amazing how, like, when you're watching it, you're like, oh, no wonder why they cast him as Dexter. He's, like, so perfect for it. He was born for that role. It, he's very typecast. And it, it reminds me, you sent me a, a meme that included, uh, what's his name? Penn Badgley. From you. From you. And then Michael C. Hall as Dexter. <laughs> and it's it's interesting because both of them kind of end up getting cast. Like, Penn Badgley seems to be cast as a stalker quite often. Yeah. Yep. Like, he was kind of like that in Gossip Girl. It, he was. He was. It's like one of those things where, what movie was it? Was it The Poltergeist where there was a man on screen who was like a technician and he ended up being a serial killer? And then there are like other movies that... There are like actors in the background who became killers. It's just yes. like, what is it about movies? I mean, it's the narcissism, right? So like they just want to be known for something. So they try to get into that world. What if it's, all actors yeah, are maybe killers? Maybe it's part narcissism. And then the other part of me that wants to think about the statistics side is perhaps maybe it's like that amongst all industries, but because those people appeared in the entertainment industry, it's something that we talk about versus like oh some guy in like accounting real estate in ohio you know bob from real estate is now a serial killer <laughs> bob's real estate <laughs> he can build it and you can live in it and then he'll kill you honestly being a contractor would be the smartest thing to do if you were a serial killer not to put any ideas into anybody's heads but you would know the layout like the ins and out of like how the home is built the electricity all of the wiring everything what's going on is the guy grunting again he's yelling now okay well at least we know he's alive 
unless he's yelling for help sabrina listen it's not help is it is he experiencing some coital relationships with someone in there i don't think so oh well well, well, we'll the keep only you thing updated. scarier than your hotel roommate having <laughs> coital and coital relationships is haunted mortuaries. The haunted mortuaries. So that is what we will be talking about today. Yes, we will. Are you first? I think you are. I'll go first. I decided to talk about the old mortuary inn in Dunsmuir, California. Hmm. Dunsmuir is a city in Northern California. It's on the upper Sacramento River in the Trinity Mountains and is known as the home of the best water on earth. Wow. Pretty magical. It's a tiny town. It has a population of 1,600 people, so it's very, very small. But it's also a big tourist attraction because of its location. It has great access to skiing, fishing, and hiking. So a lot of people will go there, fish along the river or go ski up in the mountains and then come down to the town which has this like amazing remarkable 1920s 1930s feel and like all of the buildings kind of remain as they once were in the 1920s when they were first built so it the town itself is on the national register of historic places it's a sleepy town where most of the buildings have that 1920s charm but there's one building in the town that's been haunting the town for decades. It's located at 5957 Sacramento Ave, and it's a four-story home that looks a bit decrepit and run down, almost abandoned, which is very fitting because it's terribly haunted. Hmm. So much so that it's often considered one of the most haunted destinations in Northern California. And it used to be a mortuary, which might be why it's so haunted. Definitely why. Mm-hmm. So the original architect of the home isn't totally clear. Some people believe it's Julia Morgan. Julia Morgan is also the famous architect who's known for working on and building Hearst Castle. Mm. Yes. So they believe that she helped build this building. Do we think maybe she's haunted? It's very possible because a lot of the locations that she contributed to are known for being haunted. Yeah, perhaps she gives the ghosts maybe she has like 30 in each place that she builds she <laughs> leaves them behind she leaves a few behind or, or maybe she's collecting them as she's yeah. working in all of these spots so julia apparently helped build this building and then in sometime in the early 1900s it burnt down and the whole town apparently experienced a fire and the home while not completely diminished was burnt significantly and a couple saw the property and they decided to buy it and rebuild it and use the home as a mortuary and they were friends with julia morgan and so they contacted her and they were like this house that you built is kind of in shambles would you be willing to help rebuild it and then also renovate it to accommodate a mortuary and so she did and once completed the youngs moved in they lived a relatively simple life as morticians apparently there were a lot of ghosts that they weren't that they were they just lived in tandem with like in harmony Mm -hmm. and everything was great and fine until one afternoon when mrs young went to the kitchen to prepare a lunch and she found mr young seemingly asleep at the table she went to tap him on the shoulder to wake him up only to find that he was not sleeping he was dead he was dead 
and Mrs. Young unable to cope and was extremely distraught instead of doing anything with her husband's body left him there for weeks and she left her (laughs) I know that's you don't get the excuse of a grieving widow as the reason that you leave a dead rotting body in your house that's no but I think oh no she just I think she must have not told anyone like her husband died and she probably was in shock and unable to accept the fact that her husband was dead so she just Mm. left him there and she apparently locked herself up in a bedroom upstairs and refused to leave the house and then it wasn't until like three weeks later when the body was like completely decomposed bloating like probably smelled awful that someone else came into the house and found him dead and was like holy moly guacamole this is a bad situation yeah yeah pretty bad yeah so after that i believe the young mrs young lived there with her daughter or her daughter came to live with her and take care of her or something like that and then both of them passed away in the house the daughter passed away in 1992 and then after that point the house went through many different owners and different hands all of whom would attest to the house being incredibly haunted so many people who moved into the house moved out very quickly other people moved in continuing to use it as a mortuary and then eventually I think the tenants or the owners of the home were unable to pay for it and it was going through foreclosure. And this is now 2010 when Nancy Brown Warner and her husband, uh, her husband Brad Warner, were both looking for a place to buy and they had always had this dream of making a bed and breakfast, making and owning a bed and breakfast. And they were looking all around Northern California, and then they stumbled upon mm-hmm. this house at 5957 Sacramento Avenue, and they were like, this house, this house has so much potential. But at the time, like, the house was completely destroyed. Their windows were broken, and it was, like, vandalized, and they were like, okay, well, it's going to need a lot of work, but it was really cheap. It was in the middle of foreclosure, so they could have, they bought it foreclosed, they bought it at foreclosure, and then they began making it and turning it into a bed and breakfast. They learned it was a mortuary. And while I think many people would probably be running away from that and not wanting to turn that into a bed and breakfast, they were like, this is amazing. Like people love the morbid, like the creepy. This will draw so many people. It will draw like all the paranormal lovers, all the supernatural lovers. And not only that, they decided not to make it a bed and breakfast, but to make it a dead in breakfast i respect them <laughs> so it was a and b where paranormal enthusiasts could sleep side by side with the dead so they moved in mm-hmm. and upon moving in they found down in the basement which used to be the home's morgue a casket and they were like oh it's probably just like a leftover piece of furniture it's like yada it's nothing but they go to open the casket and inside were skeletal remains and it turns out they were the remains of a 17-year-old girl. They have no idea how long the body had been down there. Basically, they like one of the previous tenants must have left it in the midst of moving out or who knows what happened. It's just it's such a weird thing to have left a body there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. what fam- unless she had no family, like how did it's just so interesting. Brad and Nancy began renovations on the home and Brad Warner remembers one of the first days in the home. He was working on his laptop 
in an unfurnished living room and this is before they knew anything about the paranormal he was very anti-paranormal nancy was the one who was like this is gonna be great there are gonna be so many ghosts and brad was like no there's there aren't gonna be any ghosts ghosts aren't real (laughs) so brad's sitting in the living room and he's working on his laptop it's unfurnished he has the fire blazing behind him in the fireplace and he's like working on his laptop typing away and all of a sudden he gets a really cold when a few seconds ago he was warmed by the fire behind him so he feels weird and he looks around he turns behind him and the entire fireplace had just been extinguished he was like i just turned this fire on like it's a log fire there were there are plenty of logs still in there how did the fire just go out it was completely extinguished and he was like i feel a little weird about it so brad turns back to his computer looks at it and all of a sudden as his eyes meet the screen it starts kind of like spazzing and then goes completely black something turned off his computer and then as if things weren't creepy enough and if he wasn't cold enough all of a sudden these french doors that had been opened slammed shut with like a loud bang oh my gosh and so now he's just like terrified and unsettled and he looks around the place takes a deep breath And he speaks to the spirits in which he now believes in and says, hello, I am the new owner here and I wish that you will respect me. We have to work together and please stop slamming the doors. Then he was hit with another chill and he added, can you please put the fire back on? And Brad swears that the flames were reignited and that was the moment that he started to believe in the paranormal and was like yep i'm living with ghosts oh my gosh it's just that call and response it's a little creepy i know you know that something's actively there because it's responding to you right and the idea that it's like moving around you you know like Mm -hmm. it went from the fireplace to your laptop to the doors and then you got to chill again and it's like (gasps) i can't see you but i feel you yep Uh, He and Nancy had a wide range of experiences from benign to downright terrifying. One time Nancy was in the bathroom and they had one of those bathroom doors that had like the privacy glass, which was like clear ish, but you could you can't really see through. Mm -hmm. And she was on the toilet and all of a sudden a man's face and hands start peering into the window, into the glass. And she was like, this is before the bread and breakfast is open she was like terrified she starts screaming and brad comes running and is like she tells him the whole story and they both get terrified there's someone in their home that's someone who broke in because before they owned the home there were all these vandals people breaking in all the time so like maybe no one got the memo that people own this house now so they call the police and they have they search the house for hours and find absolutely nothing no no sign of forced entry no one broken in And so they start to wonder if maybe it was one of the ghosts who was, like, peering into the bathroom. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. At least it didn't, like, go through the door and, like, appear while she was on the toilet. True. Because then you feel like, yes, there's someone peering in, but at least you're inside that room and they're not with you. Being on the toilet is so much worse than someone just coming in when you're in the shower. You know, scary movies are always like, oh, you're in this shower and there's something spooky or someone creeping in your bathroom. No, being on the toilet is so much worse. You are so less prepared in that moment for hand-to-hand combat or for some running. Well, same with, I don't know, the shower, though, you could like slip and fall. Yeah. You're naked. At least you pull your pants up real quick. 
you know, you're not like, oh, got to suck it all back in. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like being on the toilet in a romper would be the worst scenario. That would be the worst. (laughs) Can you imagine if you had to battle someone when your romper's down and like around your ankles just the nipple pedals on (laughs) that's my nightmare Uh, oh gosh i just imagine you like rip off the little pedals and stick them over their eyes blind them got them got (laughs) them you win they just like they're like all right that's i've never i didn't expect that you win i'm done or it's just so confusing to them that they're like they just stop and they're like what's what's on your nipples (laughs) what are those are you Kyle XY but nippleless instead of belly buttonless? Okay, so Brad and Nancy are now like they're in the house and it's near ready to open as the dead and breakfast. And they were really excited. They made sure to keep the morgue in the basement with many of its original fixtures. There were these bolts that had previously held the embalming table and they left them there in the basement they had left the drain in the concrete floor and the faucets which were used to wash the bodies they also kept the long hallway where the horse-drawn hearses would come in to receive the prepared bodies and they were just thrilled to create this other place which i love and i really want to find a way to incorporate this into my life they called it a history hall history hall, and basically They tried to track down all of these records of anyone who had been through the mortuary and they put photos and the information based on their life, where they were buried, up on the wall. So they had this whole long wall with records of people who had been like transported through the mortuary. That's actually super sweet. Isn't it cool? I love that. It's kind of like a book of the dead, but of like a book of the dead in this house. Yeah. It's almost like a little shrine, you know? It's like an ode to the dead while also serving as a history lesson while also being super creepy. Yeah, exactly. It hits it hits all the right spots. It hits everything. And then they had the living room, which used to be the mortuary where people would come for the viewings. They tried to maintain that space as well to make sure it still looked kind of like the mortuary. But upstairs was more hospitable. They had four beautiful bed and breakfast rooms, which they had four different suites. The mortician's wife, which is where the Mrs. Young locked herself away when her husband was decaying at the kitchen table. The King's Ransom, Ghostly Knights, and Julia Morgan room. And Julia Morgan, obviously, as you know, is the woman who helped build this building. So they dedicated a room to her, which is very nice. And guests can enjoy the baby grand piano, a pool table, a wraparound deck, a sun porch, a large eat-in kitchen, and a formal dining room. It was a beautiful space, or they thought it would be a great bed and breakfast. And they were like advertising this dead and breakfast with hauntings, and they would tell their stories about their own audible hauntings that they had, because most of them were audible. So they would hear footsteps, screeching, the scrapping of walls. But they also saw Bible pages turning by themselves. They left Bibles in every single room because that was one of the most common hauntings that they saw is like the Bible would just open in front of them and some ghostly figure would start flipping pages in the Bible. Hmm. And the log fires and fireplaces going out and extinguishing by themselves was very, very frequent. 
Nancy told a story of when they first moved in, which is very similar to the story that Brad experienced when he was alone in the living room working on his computer. But she and Brad were sleeping on a mattress on the floor. They were watching a movie when all of a sudden they heard a terrifying, very loud screeching, like fingernails scratching down the doors. Mm. And Nancy was like terrified. She's like, what is that? And she sat up in bed and started looking to where the sound was coming from and she saw one of the chains being pulled up out of the doors like as if like someone was like trying to open the door and then it came out and they had duct taped over it to make sure that like nothing like that happened and all of a sudden the chain starts coming out of the duct tape and it comes all the way out and then door slams open and then a door across the room starts doing the exact same thing. So something was like opening all the doors, which is really weird and like letting, it's almost like it was trying to let something in from outside, you know? That is literally where I fall and have a heart attack <laughs> because yeah, no, I don't have to explain. Everyone just heard what you said. So, yep. <laughs> and so that happens to two different doors and she is freaking out. She's like hanging on to Brad as tight as possible. Like what is happening? And then the fire went out. And then all of a sudden the movie went out. So now they're in like pitch darkness. Like the movie screen is no longer lit. The fireplace is out and they're just like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. And Brad again is like, what did I say? You ghosts. I said, we have to work together here. This is our home now. And basically two minutes later, everything will return to normal. Nancy was like pretty terrified after that. And she was like, I think like I knew that there would be ghosts here, but I didn't expect to be so scared by them. So she requested the help of a paranormal investigator her name was Layla Ridge who brings in all of her equipment and she's like I'm going to try and communicate with all these spirits and in one of the rooms she uses her recording equipment and she starts talking to spirit and she's like is anyone here you know all the typical questions that you ask and then afterwards on listening back she heard the voice of a spirit saying I'm in the ground (laughs) Okay. And yeah, which makes sense because it's a mortuary, right? So a lot of these people were buried. They're put in the ground. They're all on the ground now. Right. So Layla helped the couple realize that the spirits didn't really mean any harm, but they were just living their ghostly lives. And because this was such a prominent space for, you know, post death, they probably followed their bodies there. And then, you know, if death is confusing, maybe they didn't realize they were dead until they were there. And, and then they found solace with other spirits. And so they're all kind of hanging out there nancy was like okay like maybe i don't need to be terrified and then over time she felt as if the house was accepting her and that in the beginning it was picking on her and targeting her because she was new they didn't know who she was and they like didn't know to trust her but she said it felt like after layla came that the house started to settle and that the hauntings became more of like a background noise rather than like intentionally targeting her and her husband Mm. But the devastating part of this story is that the Dead and Breakfast never opened because Nancy and Brad, their relationship started to fall apart and they got a divorce before ever opening the Dead and Breakfast. Man, ugh. I know. And then, but it's like, did the ghosts want them apart? I don't know. And, or maybe the ghosts just didn't want the Dead and Breakfast. They were like, we like it as it is. We don't need people coming up, up in here and like trying to poke and prod at us so in 2015 brad was trying to sell the home for 899,000, but then in 2016 he dropped it as low as 100,000 dollars for the house which is like hmm why did it drop so significantly mm-hmm. like what 
you know, what is it? And the status of its sale is very unclear. You can't really find out if anyone bought it. And then like when you look it up, it doesn't say what the house is now or if anyone owns it. It's very unclear. Hmm. But the really cool thing is that the house is the inspiration to the best-selling novel The Mortician's Wife by Mara Lee Lauder. She was friends with Nancy and Brad and apparently had visited the home and experienced the hauntings for herself. And after hearing the history of like the Youngs who the you know the husband and wife who owned the mortuary and who left the husband decaying at the table, she was so fascinated and decided to write a story of the relationship of a young girl with the owner of the old mortuary house whose husband was responsible for two murders to become after his death an evil spirit who inhabited the house. And the story builds on the reputation of the old mortuary inn as being a haunted house with frantic scratches down a door, inexplicable bangs and crashes in the main house, showers that turn themselves on and off without human intervention, and a ghost child who was delivered to the house wanting to return home. The poor little baby just wanted to get home. I know. But it's a best-selling novel, which I've heard of before, and I'm sure many people have heard of. And I think a sequel came out relatively recently. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm intrigued. I know. I kind of want... Is there a movie? Maybe there's a movie about it, too. Or based on the book. Hmm. Doesn't that sound familiar? Mortician's Wife? It does really sound familiar. Let's see. It would make a good movie if it's not. Oh, it is! Mortician's Wife. I swear I From heard 2012. that recently, Like, in the past week. Did John Mulaney maybe mention it in his special with the sack, luck, sack lunch bunch? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I just heard it. That's wild, though. I'm down to then to watch that. I don't know if it's based on the book, but I'm down to watch and down to read. And down to read, for sure. But that is the old mortuary inn, which status is very unclear, but it is haunted. So I don't know. What a spooky-ass place. I know. I will say that that dead hall is the best thing ever. History Hall. I know History I love it. I'm obsessed. I love that. It's so yeah. smart. What 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 can I use that for in my life? Um, I could just do a family hall of living of and the, deceased. Yeah, you could do a family hall. I don't really have a hall to do this in, but one day. <laughs> Why are you asking? I don't know because I just like the idea. It is a nice idea. You're right. <laughs> just... I just imagine pitching this idea to Nick and he's gonna be so creeped out and he's gonna be like no Nick I need a haul of photos of my dead relatives <laughs> okay he's like uh maybe in your podcasting office oh podcasting offices wouldn't those be nice which is my guest room so then anytime a guest day is over they get to sleep in the room with all of my deceased relatives photos and then as soon as you need to record you're like all right this is actually my podcasting loft first and foremost so you gotta get out get out what did you choose okay well funny that you were in california for yours because i also am in california which what is that saying about california <laughs> that i want to go home <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that, that you want to go home to california because you're currently in new york yep i'm just trying to come up with a reason as to why we <laughs> both picked california and there is none but for this story we are going to be heading to san francisco 
for the haunted mortuary turned music venue. Whoa. Which is currently operating. And the music venue is called the chapel. So. Oh, I love that. Moving back. Yes. Uh, well, I'll give you more details. In a You're bit. moving back. You're moving back to California. I literally am never <laughs> going to move back to California. I'm sorry. That's okay. It gives me more reason to come visit you in Boston, which I love. Okay. Great. We'll see you there. See you here. I will. Okay. But we are going to San Francisco and we are moving back to the 1800s. And back in the 1800s in the San Fran area, the population was just absolutely booming. There were a ton of people moving in. Everyone's like, woohoo, San Fran is the best. NorCal, woo. Woo. Is NorCal? Yeah. I almost said like Bay Area. I, I always get yelled at. I don't know which one's right. Now it's not the time to start the debate. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I'm fighting with the myself. The debate with yourself. Yeah. I'm fighting with myself. <laughs> it's always fun to just sit back and let that happen. <laughs> no, please She'll work stop it out. Me. <laughs> okay. But the population is increased. And so the city is like, okay, well, we kind of have a little bit of a population problem. And with a population problem comes more people dying. And there's not as many, um, well, like naturally people dying, not, not meeting anything horrible. But if you have increased numbers of people you have increased numbers of death and so then you have increased numbers of bodies that you need to do something with and so the city was like all right we're gonna we're about to have a big problem and we don't have that much space Mm -hmm. so this their solution to this was that the city of san francisco decided to outlaw burials within the city and so this meant that all of the cemeteries had to be south of the city and colma which um colma was just like basically a town filled with bodies bodies it was yeah there was there's a stat that says there's more dead people dead residents than living in coma so <sighs> ooh, spooky sweet um but funeral homes and mortuaries were still being utilized in the city obviously people needed help transferring bodies south to these cemeteries people still wanted to hold a ceremony for their loved one and and do all of that so this became a popular business venture P- more and more people began to open up mortuaries um specifically in the area that's uh valencia street now in the mission district hmm. and this is because the southern pacific railroad used to cut through this exact area on its way to colma so they were like all right well this makes the most sense like let's just put all of the mortuaries here it's easy access into the railroad and then yeah. it's minimum effort on our part as business owners convenience man to transport the bodies and so that is why now we have this mortuary turned music venue called the chapel and actually there's there's like a, a restaurant inside there's just a bunch of things inside of this music venue and they're all all of the names are um based on the old mortuary or just kind of like oh creepy spookiness it's like their own version of history hall it is yeah a little homage to their to their past so the chapel was originally called when it was a mortuary it was called the gantner mason demurg funeral home and it operated as this funeral home mortuary up until 1949 and the building itself is just super beautiful it mimics an old church hence the name that was part of their decision of of naming the new music venue the chapel there are arches that reach 40 feet there's wrought iron gates that open up to the lobby there's woodworking around the stage it's like 
They said it's suitable for a Shakespeare play. It's just gorgeous. Ooh. And there's also chandeliers, amber lighting. It just is made to feel very warm and intimate and like a fun and inviting space. It's beautiful. Are you looking at pictures? Yes, I sure am. Couldn't help yourself. How to Google image. I never can help myself. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it looks like a great spot. Like, given all of, all of what I'm about to tell you, I still would go to this venue because it just seems so beautiful and so fun and just convenient in terms of everything that they provide you entertainment-wise. Great. Um, but in the past, so it was this mortuary, and then in between it being a mortuary and it becoming the chapel music venue, it had a, a quick stint as the new College of California. So at one point there were people getting educated up in there. But when the new owner of the now chapel music venue, when he walked into the former funeral parlor he said that the space was so beautiful that he wanted to give it a life that it deserves wow and so this two-story room that was once the funeral parlor has amazing acoustics and he was like it's only appropriate that you know the music is in here let's throw the sound of people's voices comedians let's do all of that which as he as i was reading about his thoughts on like just the acoustics in that area Mm -hmm. it made me kind of upset to think that this building also had the same acoustics as people who were mourning and sniffling and crying oh. and grieving were also moving through that spot. I was like, these people are trying to hold it together and a lot of times probably think that this should be a private moment and yet their voices are being projected. But that's a lot, that's similar to churches, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. The acoustics in churches are like that as well. It's true. It just bothered me a little bit. But I'm glad that now it's it's meant to be more of like a cheery, uplifting space where people get right. entertained and have fun and get to see their favorite comedians and, and favorite musicians. Um, comedians such as Russell Brand and Dave Chappelle have been some of the Whoa. names to go through. And then they also do a good job of mixing up local bands versus um, larger touring bands and artists just to, to give a little highlight to those that are more Current. local to the San Fran area. I have an idea for whenever we decide to do a tour again, we should do a show there. Oh, Sabrina. That would be so fun. I wonder how many seats it is. Probably too many unless we start selling tickets to the ghosts. Yeah, the ghosts. The ghosts will be our audience. Yes. No, that's a great idea. Actually, it was funny that our last episode was on wedding venues because this is listed as like a good wedding venue spot i legit was thinking that when i was looking at the pictures i was like oh this looks like a cool place to have a wedding yeah no people do (laughs) (laughs) that's why every wedding wedding venue is haunted because the land the buildings they're all old and beautiful and haunted Mm -hmm. it kind of weirdly reminds me of the stage in back to the future really yeah like the when he goes back in time and his mom and dad are meeting at the dance and he's being erased from the photo and the band is playing on the on the stage it reminds me of that yeah i need to refresh my memory uh, and rewatch that movie because yeah, i don't really movie. know what you're talking about <laughs> but i'll pretend i did maybe, maybe other people will <laughs> other people will um okay so when the chapel's being renovated Knowles, who's who's the owner uh, he wanted to ensure that it was less of like a strict restoration or a renovation and more of what he called a creative reuse of the space. Oh, we like so, that. Yeah, I know. I liked it. 
there are plenty of parts that are still very authentic to the original building, like the carved doors, the support columns, leaded glass windows, etc., etc. And the building itself also isn't strictly a music venue either. I alluded to it before I said there are a few parts. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the other half of the venue is this beautiful restaurant and bar. It's called The Vestry. And it serves up this like delicious French and Mediterranean cuisine. The tables are crafted from salvaged wood from the old walls, which I'm like, what? (laughs) That is cool. Got to go. Salvaged wood. I am there. That sounds so awesome. Yes. And they also, I loved this detail. They said that they made the tables in the restaurant narrow enough to ensure that conversations would be more intimate. So it's less of like yelling across and more of like, well, just take a moment with your loved one or with your friend or whoever you're spending time with at this restaurant. I respect that so hard. Yes, I loved it. It was such a good detail. When guests sit down to (laughs) share this time with other people or grab a beer maybe grab a bite to eat what many of them may not know is that they're actually sitting in the old slumber rooms of the mortuary and the slumber rooms were used for wakes and viewings of the deceased so these people are eating and drinking and enjoying close conversation right where the dead bodies were once on display and people mourned and grieved and their hearts broke a little bit more wow so but you know so you know the purpose of wakes is to help the family move on so yes it's heartbreaking that your family member has passed away or your friend has passed away but i think there's also a beauty to wakes and i've learned a lot from six feet under and that's why i'm saying that oh (laughs) well i i've been to a couple open caskets and i'll say there's something relieving about an open casket because i feel like the anxiety of walking up to someone that you loved or held so dearly and expecting to see their dead body is just such a horrifying thought and you're like Mm -hmm. you think you're gonna burst out into tears and all this stuff and the two times i've seen bodies in caskets it's almost it's so much more relieving because i see the body and i'm just like this isn't the person like all that they were is gone Mm -hmm. like the spark their soul all of the light is gone and this looks like a different shell it feels like a caterpillar just like oh you know that's a beautiful way to describe it yeah corinne you're a poet (laughs) oh gosh i wouldn't describe me as that but appreciate it no but that's so true and and i think you know they're they're presented in a way that's supposed to be like a look at them they're in peace you know yeah yeah i agree so i i'm not a you know i don't think there's anything bad with wakes and funerals and all of these things i just i just associate them with like a lot of tears and sorrow sorrow yeah because of course that's only natural like people can say oh it's a celebration of life or blah 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 blah. but the Mm -hmm. reality is is everyone's really devastated and it's it's everyone's trying to comfort each other and be strong while also being like oh my god i can't believe like this solidifies my worst nightmare right right so anyway that is the restaurant and there's also an outdoor patio section at the vestry restaurant bar and restaurant and if you stand somewhere in the middle of the kitchen and the patio and you look up you will see a rusty piece of metal hanging on the wall and this piece of metal is left over from the mortuary days, from the days when it was used as a crank to hoist up the bodies. 
Oh. And this general area, too, is also where the garage was. So the garage was where the bodies were basically, like, transported from the mortuary into the uh, train. Oh, right. So there's just, like, a bit of transportation and, and storage happening over here. Hmm. Um, and if you order wine, just know that the wine cellar is down a flight of stairs in the basement. And the basement is cold and dark and small. And it has memories of the bodies that were once stored inside it. Oh. And now I have quite a few experiences for you told from the staff or former employees. There's so much information on this place online, which I was like, this is so lovely. This makes my research easy because so many people are talking about it. But quite a few members of the staff, quite a few employees have had a ton of experiences. So one such person is the former bartender, Javi Castro. He said that when he would go down into the wine cellar, he never felt like being in that room longer than 10 seconds. So that it was very, like, creepy, it was dead quiet, and he was trying to get in and out as fast as he possibly could. And he said that when he first started at the chapel, he knew that the building was haunted or could be haunted because either his first day or, like, in the first few days that he started, a few of the men on the cleaning crew went and told him, like, hey, yo, this place is definitely haunted. There's some stuff going on here. And then one night, Javi got his proof because he was in the wine cellar trying to make it last only 10 seconds when the door to the wine cellar slammed shut on him and he immediately ran and opened it and there was absolutely no one on the other side. Oh my gosh. I love it. And he said since this incident happened, when he, for the rest of the time that he was employed there, he began to see figures out of the corner of his eye. But as soon as he turned to like look dead on, straight on, at the figure the figure would disappear which brought me back to we talked about this maybe in like the first month of our podcast i remember us talking about when people say that when you see stuff out of the corner of your eye and you look it's not necessarily that the thing is gone it's just that there's a different type of perception i don't know Mm. the science of it something with your rods and cones and retinas and blah 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 blah, that makes you able to see certain things out of the corner of your eye or like they were just talking about the possibility of like what if this is it because you remember all those stories i remember talking about that yeah of people seeing something out of the corner of their eye they turn to look it's not there they turn back and it's still there out of the corner of their eye yes yeah it just it just reminded me of that because when he was like and then they disappeared i'm like no they didn't probably not they're probably still there yes wow it also kind of gives me like I don't know. You know, when you look at pets straight in the eye and they like look away because they don't trust you. I don't have that problem. But would you like to talk about this? No, 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 no. It's like a th- it's a thing like animals. specifically. I was like, do you and Leia need to go to therapy? <laughs> no, I miss her. That, I just needed to talk about her. No, but there it's like, especially for strays, like when you try to like rescue animals they're afraid they're afraid right so then Mm. if you look them right in the eyes it seems like you're going after them Mm -hmm. which might be what if like ghosts feel the same way like you can't look them straight on because they're they're trying to get a feel for the space and see what's up with you in the space before it can like have a confrontation with you they too can only see you out of their peripherals so no one's actually ever looking at each other (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Except for all the stories we've had where like dark shadow figures are just like leering over you, staring you right <laughs> staring in the eyes while you're soul. sleeping. Yeah. yeah. Well, there are different yeah. types of ghosts out there. 
there's also a former bar back rick who had quite a few experiences as well he said that one night he was working in the bar and there's this metal shelf that has a bunch of different bottles on it and a bottle he was like a few feet away from it and a bottle flew off the shelf but didn't just fly off the shelf as in like it getting knocked it flew completely horizontally as if it were just like floating on a straight line through the air towards him then stopped right before him oh my gosh and was dropped so it's as if someone was like almost running what? with it at him got right in front of him and then was just like boom dropping this did this that scare is you? so intimidating so intimidating but here's the good thing there's one ghost here that's not as intimidating this is a good segue into my next little uh oh great anecdote from not my anecdote but um from a chef who helped open the chapel i believe she still works there elaine mm-hmm. asuna and she had quite a few experiences while working at the chapel and being a chef and and working in the kitchen she often would be in the kitchen like really really early in the morning before anyone else was in just like prepping the food and whatnot for the day and this happened mm-hmm. frequently that she was the only person and she didn't love being the only person and while she was the only person she would often spot this shadowy figure of a woman in a white dress with her hair up in an old-fashioned bun she was a little bit older and accompanying this woman was always the smell of roses which earned her the nickname rose lady and elaine said that she never felt scared of her rather she felt better in her presence like there was someone there to keep her company like she wasn't there all by herself and that oh, I was like that that's yeah she liked that but other employees have also seen rose lady smelled rose lady experienced encounters with rose lady and they don't all feel as comforted as elaine does so oh. I, it's not necessarily creepy it's just maybe startling so there was yeah. one employee who said that she heard an old woman whisper in her ear camille are you ready are you ready camille <gasps> and she was absolutely petrified because like th- <laughs> there was no one next to her so oh my gosh that's so unsettling so unsettling other people have seen this woman disappear from the bathroom stalls as well so being alone in a bathroom or thinking someone else is there and then realizing you're actually truly alone that's i think a very creepy creepy again in the bathroom in the bathroom always the bathroom with your nipple covers on (laughs) there's something about bathrooms and pasties and ghosts and it just makes (laughs) sense other paranormal activity includes the sounds of footsteps when no one else is around water faucets turn on and off votive candles will fly off the mantle and so so much more um the employee one of the employees erica wesley she said uh that she's seen things in the bathrooms specifically when she looks in the mirror she said sometimes she looks into the mirror and there is a shadow figure standing behind her in the mirror uh what unsettling she said she's also been tapped on the shoulder and when she turned around there was no one there so it's just like a collection of all these different stories all of these different spooky tales and while this might seem like you know some real spookiness most likely stemmed from the activity of the mortuary what really puts this place the chapel on the map is footage from the security camera captured a few years back i think it was in 2015 Mm -hmm. okay so this video you have to see it. i'll send it to you after okay please do it's, am i gonna be scared uh no okay i'll tell you what it is and then we can pause for you to watch it okay okay this video was taken in the vestry which is the the restaurant around 5 a.m ish 
in the video, it's a security camera, it shows a member of the cleaning crew locking the door and exiting the restaurant. And then just seconds later, a little girl in a white dress sprints to the door, sees that he's gone, jiggles the door handle, and then runs back to where she came from. And this was the first instance of the little girl being caught on camera, but it definitely was not the first time she's been seen because the chapel staff has reported seeing a little girl on many, many occasions. But I want you to watch the video right now, and I don't have it up, but if you just type in okay, the chapel uh, ghost SF. on camera, it'll come up. Ghost on camera. The thing is, she's just so clear that it it almost, she almost looks more clear than the secure, the cleaning crew. I'm looking at it. Oh! <gasps> She's so clear. She's so clear. And the way that her weight transfers from like foot to foot, you can see her kind of like backpedal after she jiggles. It's just so, it's just so real. Wait, it looks like she's like double checking that he locked the door. Yeah. Because she does it so quickly. A lot of people were like, this must have been faked, blah, 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 blah. But they swear that it wasn't. And. Oh my gosh. She, She like ran right past him basically yeah oh <gasps> and so that's crazy yes this little girl has been seen a lot and bartender johnny ramirez he was once walking through the building when he heard a little girl whisper in his ear Iceman," and he was startled and he was like all right who's there thinking huh. that maybe it was one of his co-workers playing a trick on him because his nickname was Iceman. but the room was entirely empty and no co-workers were around and then that same night, later in that night at around like 3 a.m., Martinez, uh, Johnny Martinez, this bartender, he was closing the bar when a member of the cleaning crew came into the room and was super startled to see Johnny and the cleaning crew. The guy jumped and he said, whoa, you freaked me out. I thought you were that little <laughs> girl that's around here. And they had never spoken about the little girl whoa. before. He didn't know. Johnny's first experience with the little girl was only a few hours prior so he was super freaked out and then there's also a green room where the performers hang out before they go on stage but this might not be the right the right spot to you know like relax and get out your live show jitters or whatever because (laughs) according to many of the performers who've been back there they feel really weird and they walk away being like that was a strange experience or having some weird paranormal things or unexplainable things happen and actually one of the members of the cleaning crew who's described as a really tough dude he refuses to go into that room after seeing the little girl in there oh so when this footage that you just watched when this footage Mm -hmm. came out or when the the security reported seeing this footage of this strange little girl appearing in this room in the restaurant they then went back through all of the tapes all night everywhere because they were like who is this little girl why is she here like not necessarily assuming right away that it was a ghost but rather being like okay well we need to do some investigating into this so they looked at every single tape and there's absolutely nothing nothing at the exits nothing at the entrances nothing down the hallways nothing in the next cameras that would have picked her up as she moved from where she had run from and back to absolutely nothing she only ever appeared in that one section on that one tape for those like two seconds and super super clear so the video blew up it gained 
gained a ton of popularity and with it so did this little ghost girl and so now she has a nickname as well she's nicknamed valencia after the street where um this property is oh crazy i wonder if they could find any i don't know if there are records from the mortuary from they the could mortuary? find out yeah. who she is i mean i probably but also the mortuary was in existence for like you know 30 40 years so i'm I can only assume that the number of people that went through was so high. I wonder if it would be hard to actually identify. Because if you say, like, there's an older woman that looks like she was, you know, dressed sometime from, like, 10s or 20s, that's going to be a ton of people. That's true. Or, I mean, little kids are, are less so. But, yeah, I wonder. I'm so interested. It's crazy how clear she is. She's so clear. It's, yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty spooky because she's also, like, running. She looks like she's, like, maybe 11, 12, right? Wouldn't you say that? Maybe, yeah, maybe 10. I don't know. She, I'm not good at ages kind of like with children. She looks tall for, on the video at least, she looks tall. She doesn't look like, it's not like a four-year-old running. Right, but she's definitely younger than a teen, I think. Yeah. Wow so wild i so, would yeah, go there i know it's a cool spot because i mean you won't be bored if you go there it sounds like they have awesome food and drinks they have an outdoor patio they have comedians and music coming through some of the t- i was looking at some of the tickets and it's like 20 bucks to go to a, some of the shows there i was like ooh, this is nice and especially in san fran like that's super affordable yeah yeah so let's do it we can go, and if we catch the smell of roses, we'll know that we found the rose lady. Yeah, I'm curious why she's nice to that one, or why that one woman feels safe around here while others are like, we don't like her. I don't think that they don't like her. I think that they're not prepared for her presence. Because oh, it's yeah. more like the chef is in the kitchen the whole time, and the woman appears usually in the same general area. So it's mm. like ex- almost expected or like a safe distance. Whereas other people have been unprepared to see her in the bathroom or right. have whispers in their ears. That's unsettling. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little... Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that. Yeah, so I think that's probably the reason more than anything else. Makes sense. Okay. Okay, we have stories from you guys, our listeners. Listener stories about mortuaries how lovely okay this is from Allie, and subject line is ghosts and eyeballs and morgues oh my hola ghostesses first off i'm obsessed with y'all i feel like you're both my long lost soul sisters i will skip the obligatory gushing over the podcast because you've heard it all before even though you already just like said you're obsessed with us so you did it we love you (laughs) (laughs) say it again she said but i do love the show so so much I'm a little late to the game, but I have been binging and just started listening to the intro to your cemetery episode, and I have to say thank you to Corinne for advocating for donation, even though the proper terminology isn't quite scooping, lol. I don't remember that. I don't know what I said, (laughs) but I said it wrong. I thought you two might find my job interesting, so I thought I would share a little bit of that and then two quick ghost stories. I am an eye bank technician, so when someone dies and their family consents to eye donation, I go to the morgue, funeral home, or hospital to recover their eyes. 
I then bring the corneas or whole eyes back to the lab and do some evaluations. I will spare you the boring details, but then I ship the tissue around the world for transplant. It's so nice to hear people talk about how they want to help others after death. It's an important conversation to have since most states require the family to consent for tissue donation, even if you're a registered donor. So make sure your listeners know to tell their loved ones if they wish to donate. Okay, so now for the spooky stories. Oh, I think it was me saying just scoop everything out of my body. I don't care. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. Oh, scoop it. Not quite scoop scooping. out my eyeballs. <laughs> Someone just takes a spoon. <laughs> Allie just uses a spoon. One eyeball for transplant. Ready to go. <laughs> Slingshot it across the U.S. Flick it. <laughs> See how far it lands. <laughs> Skip it across the pond. Oh we can keep gosh. going, but we won't. <laughs> okay, so now for the spooky stories. First one. I was in a morgue doing a recovery on an older gentleman in a hospital that is very old and very creepy. After I finished my eye recovery, I walked into... She meant eye scooping, obviously. <laughs> I walked into a side room to dispose of my sharps, and I saw someone standing in a storage closet with their back to me. Initially, I thought it was a resident getting ready to assist with an autopsy, so I turned to apologize for barging in and was going to explain that I didn't know anyone was there. But as I turned to look at him, he disappeared. Ooh. There was no one there. I pushed my donor back into the cooler, quickly said, hey, thanks for the donation, and booked it out of there. My second story was a young lady who died a very tragic and untimely death. While I was doing my initial eye exam, I swore I heard her breathing. I freaked out and stood extremely still and held my breath, listening for her to breathe. I felt like she was going to move at any second. After what seemed like forever, I realized she was not in, she was in fact not breathing, but any time I wasn't looking directly at her and setting up my instruments, I kept hearing what sounded like breathing. It freaked me out so much that I decided to get done and get out of there. While I was doing my recovery, I took a step back and felt the cold metal door of the cooler touch my back. I thought I had more room than that, so I looked back to judge the distance and realized that the cooler was in fact about three feet behind me. But I could still feel the cold touch of what I now realized felt like a frigid hand resting on my shoulder. Ooh. I finished my recovery very quickly and got out of there with a quickness. I've done hundreds of recoveries and have often felt a presence, but these were the two that really spooked me. Hope you enjoyed. I have more non-work-related stories. If you're interested, see you on the other side. Donate life. Allie. Oh my goodness. I wonder wonder if the woman was putting like an icy hand to like, thank you for, for doing this. Yeah. Or like any ghost, I mean, there probably are so many spirits wandering that space that like any of them could have been touching her for some acknowledgement. But it's crazy because the breathing that she heard the entire time, mm-hmm. was it from this entity or spirit from behind her who was breathing, trying to like get her attention Ooh, and then yeah, touched you're her more shoulder. Yeah, like a lurker. But I don't think it was negative. It's just more of like a, oh, there's a presence here that I could try to communicate with, mm. you know? I was thinking almost as if as if this woman so badly wanted wanted her organs to be donated or wanted to help someone else else and given that she had an untimely death was maybe just trying to figure things out and was staying a little longer and I almost thought of like the breathing being a symbol of like well I don't have my life but you can give life to others Mm. and the icy hand on the back is reassurance of like 
it's okay just keep working interesting I'm just imagining bent neck lady you know oh I thought like bent standing neck behind everyone all of season two of you because she's a main character I know see I didn't she's so good that I didn't even like think about her other character she is really good but as soon as I turned it off and went to bed I was like bent neck lady (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait for season two of that I actually want to rewatch season one to see all the ghosts that are hidden yeah and to just now that we know the clues about like if there's red that means you're in the red yeah like all the different clues that we didn't have that maybe would change the storyline a bit Mm -hmm. although i think i'm too scared to watch it for a second time around it was really (laughs) scary it was so scary (laughs) i loved it it's okay though if things are scary because 2020 goals i'm gonna get real fit so if i need to run fast i can (laughs) are you using open fit i am using open fit OpenFit takes all of the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's brand new, super simple, a streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day, which I love because I don't, I'm not a gym person. I am my living room person. That's who I am. That's great. And everyone's bodies are different and OpenFit gets that, which is why it's personalized to your needs with custom tailored original content. They have amazing trainers and classes. Their classes are led by some of the most effective and engaging trainers in the world. You can sculpt your body with Andrea Rogers, who's the founder of Worldwide Sensation Extend Bar. Or you can join a live real-time workout with a certified personal trainer who will help you get the most out of your at-home workout. Yes, I love Extend Bar. I love bar classes. Ugh, just wonderful. They're tough. And you can forget about all of the complexity and stress around getting fit and just press play on the workout on your schedule whenever you can do it when it's convenient for you which is so great you can view it on your computer web-enabled tv tablet smartphone and roku it's just it's just there to to help you when you want to come to it and you can lose up to 15 pounds in just the first 30 days flatten your abs shape your body and look and feel great i personally love this for when i'm traveling and right now i'm in new york for work and i'm on set for like 15 plus hours a day so it's really hard to find time to go to a gym or find a gym that's open on either end of my work schedule. So it's so nice to come home and then open open fit on my computer and be like, hey, I'm going to do badass lunges in my hotel room. Right. And it's awesome because you can they have shorter workouts as well on there. So like after your 15 hour day and you're just exhausted, but you're like, oh, I really need to get something done. You could do a 10, 15 minute video. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. OpenFit has changed the way that we work out, and with our code TGOG, you can join us on our fitness journey, personalized just for you. So right now, our listeners get a 14-day free trial membership to OpenFit when you text TGOG to 505050. That's 505050. Try it for free or your money back. It's entirely risk-free, so what do you have to lose besides the weight? You will get full access to OpenFit, all the workouts, and a nutrition guide totally free for 14 days. Again, just text TGOG to 505050. Standard message and data rates may apply. Okay, I have an email from our listener, John. It is called Not Alone in a Funeral Home. Ooh, Ladies and Pets. Just began listening to your podcast about two months ago, though I hope he's still listening because this was sent earlier in 2018. So hopefully we'll, we'll he's find out. Stuck with us. 
I've been working my way through the backlog of episodes as best as I can. I truly enjoy listening. Anyway, I thought you might be interested in some of the experiences I've had during the 15 years I worked as a funeral director at a Hamilton, Ohio funeral home. So cool. So cool. While I love the tales of the supernatural, I would describe myself as a skeptic, a man of science and all. So having said that, the story begins about... 3 a.m. in the preparation room of the funeral home, the place where bodies get embalmed. Many funeral homes embalm around the clock so as to ensure that the remains have the best chance of reacting with the formaldehyde-based chemicals used in our profession. Ours was no exception. Our prep room was situated in the basement, creepy right, and you could just about reach up and touch the subfloor of the funeral chapel, the room where the remains are placed for visitations and funerals. There was roughly an inch or inch and a half that separated the goings-on of the prep room and the chapel. So what this means is that you can essentially hold a conversation with someone in the room above, and you heard every footstep murmur of visitors as they came to pay their respects to their loved ones. And as a matter of fact, we usually worked with a stereo on the prep room unless there was a service being held in the room above. Now, with some backstory, you can likely appreciate the part that comes next. While we were working away in the wee hours of the morning, we heard a familiar noise come from the funeral chapel above. Caskets generally sit atop a wheeled pedestal called a beer, not to be confused with the delicious German brew. And when it was rolled from one end of the room to the other, something we did at the conclusion of each service to help the pallbearers get the casket remains to the hearse for its trip to the cemetery, one could hear almost nothing but the racket it generated owing to the scant subfloor. Normally, we wouldn't think twice about hearing that noise as it was routine, except for the fact that it was 3 a.m. and we were the only people, live ones anyway, who were in the building. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love funeral jokes. Is that all? I know. Yes, it is. It's a thing. I like jokes that come from the people who who are allowed to make the jokes that that work in those professions every day. (laughs) Our work immediately halted as my embalming partner and I exchanged a puzzled glance. He asked, did you hear what I just heard? To which I said in an attempt to explain the thing away, yes, but can we just pretend that the heating or air conditioning ducts just expanded when the furnace kicked on? (laughs) Oh my gosh. We didn't feel the need to investigate and come to think of it, I don't believe we ever spoke of it again. Also in the basement of the funeral home, we had a small coffee lounge for families to take a break from the visitation chapel and to refresh themselves on occasion during services. People generally would just send children down there to run rampant and pour out sugar and creamer all over the place. Part of being a funeral director is also wrangling these kids and finding ways to channel their energy into something less chaotic. There was a small window with air loops, directional slats like an automotive AC vent that semi- obscured the view into the next room an unfinished area of the funeral home that was added on in the early 1970s where we stored at least a hundred caskets a hundred how big is this place this is huge huge lots of children would ask what the window looked in on so i'd tell them don't worry the room was always locked during services they thought that was cool My favorite thing to do that settled kids down was to regale them with stories of the paranormal, whatnot, at the funeral home. Most of the time, kids just aren't emotionally equipped to appreciate the gravity of what a funeral is or means anyway, so I didn't feel guilty telling them tales that they obviously got a kick out of. (laughs) One night in October, I think, or maybe 
I just want to remember it that way. <laughs> like that. <laughs> Every time I tell a story, I'm going to say, one day in October, one night in October, I was closing the lounge down at the end of the visitation at about 9.30 p.m. or so. In the lounge, we had one of those capacitative lamps, the touch-on, touch-off kind that were kind of a fad in the late 80s to the early 90s. That was always the last thing I'd do before heading up the steps to clean up the visitation chapel and ready the room for the funeral the next day. This particular evening, I had finished straightening up the lounge and touched the lamp to turn it off. About halfway up the stairs, for some unknown reason, I turned to look back down towards the lounge, and the light was back on. Okay, no problem. It'd been a long day, so I went back down because obviously it, it, it had slipped my mind. <laughs> I turned it off and started up the stairs, only to turn around again to see that the light was once more turned on. This is when I began to get a little concerned. Twice more, I returned to turn the lamp off. On the fourth attempt, I chuckled nervously and said aloud with a smile, Good one, but it's time for me to call it a night now that we've had our fun. And after that, the light remained off. On a related note, all of the victims of the Rupert slayings were laid out on the garage floor in the 1970s because the Butler County Coroner's Office was ill-equipped to accommodate all of them. Eleven, I think. The Rupert family murder was one of the largest mass murders in U.S. history. Reports Whoa. say that was the, like, Easter day, like, the pa- patriarch of the family murdered everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, reports say that there's still blood stains on the floor of the Rupert home and that there are ghostly activities said to happen in the house. Those are just a few of the interesting things about the funeral home. I was raised in a farmhouse built in the 1860s where plenty of unexplained things happened as well. Thanks for reading and see you on the other side. John. Wow. Wow. Oh my God. I just can't even, I can't even wrap my brain around how scary it would be to be, you're, you're already with the deceased when you're downstairs in the embalming room. And then upstairs, only an inch and a half away from from where you are, there's a big... Caskets are heavy. Mm-hmm. There are pallbearers. There are extra people helping <laughs> move these caskets. And they, all alone, heard the casket move. That's and very terrifying. And they didn't hear footsteps. There's no... He didn't say footsteps. Oh. So... I that, Yeah. I wonder if they have CCTV footage or like... A, that would be so cool i bet they'd catch a lot of stuff part of me wonders part of me wonders if like a spirit was like i want this one or if a spirit was like i want out Ooh, i hope the first one (laughs) the second one is scary i know with haunted mortuaries i think we found this when we were looking at haunted cemeteries that oftentimes Mm -hmm. cemeteries are almost described as the most peaceful places because that's, that's where true. people are like transported to and laid to rest and there's so much respect and, and mm-hmm. everything around it and they often have like the best plot of land and ocean views and I'm just like man I want to live there <laughs> <laughs> not not that permanently but you know yeah but it's there's interesting a piece because, to it yeah I feel like mortuaries could almost double as that you know like it's where people go when they're already passed away and they are then like treated and cared for in order to be properly mourned by their family later right right what a cool job such a cool job oh my gosh i bet john has a million more stories 
Yes, please send them to us if you do. Everyone send us their stories. Yeah. I will say one of my new coworkers, she hasn't started yet, but she's starting in like a week or two. And she found out I had the podcast and she was like, oh, I have to tell you. She lives, maybe I'll do an episode on it. So I won't say that many details. But anyway, she's, she, her apartment, she's in a building and she's in the basement level. And the basement level used to be a like crematorium. Like she lives where. She lives there uh-huh she said she hasn't experienced anything but she knows the building's haunted and she knows her neighbors have probably a million stories that's amazing pretty sweet that's so cool yeah okay i can't wait to hear more i'll put it i'll write it down i'll do it one day okay great great love it love it love, love you. ghost stories oh corinne love you <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh so much love so much love and for you guys too so if you guys have ghost stories please email them to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com and we will see you on the other side